1: Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 23rd. I'm Jeff Erickson. As always, we are sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thank you, Yahoo, for your sponsorship. Appreciate the friendship and relationship over the, the years, the decades that we've been together here in this fantasy industry. Today, my co host is. Uh, a, a guy that's doing a lot to build interest in fantasy football, uh, specifically in the uh, Buffalo area, but you know, it, it, you know his reach goes beyond that. Now, uh, you know the way the internet works, the way uh, radio works. Uh, he is Mike Shope. Uh, he hosts a, a radio show in Buffalo. He's been on with us a number of. I've been on with him a number of times. Get to return the favor today, Mike. Thank you so much for jumping on with us today.
3: My pleasure, Jeff. I'm excited to do it.
1: Yeah, and uh, to, before we get really launched into this, tell everybody where they can hear you on a regular basis.
3: Okay, well, I've been on WGR Sports Radio 550 in Buffalo since the summer of 2002. I have a partner, Chris Parker, who goes by the Bulldog. so it's Mike yeah. Show and the Bulldog. We're on afternoons 3 to 7 Eastern time weekdays, and then we're also on after Bill's games, and that also goes back. For me, it's... It, it, it goes back to their playoff drought beginning, which, of course, ended two years ago. But my first year on here uh, was 2000. So, of course, the playoff drought is my fault.
1: Oh, oh, well, I, I hey, I am a fan of a team that has similar drought issues and maybe not making the playoffs, yes. but winning a playoff game. I'm a Bengals fan. I'm a self-hating Bengals fan and a Reds fan. Uh there's a lot of losing going on there. I went to Northwestern. Uh you know, I, I'm a Pacers fan, so I have a lot of losing teams. I'm also a Red Wings fan, so I'll I'll take claim for one good team. But uh, yeah.
3: you know, it's it's tough. I think for I think Jeff, we're about the same age, so you and I would have both had the same sort of we would attach the same sort of importance, I think, to Bill's Bengals thirty years ago. Which was not only good teams, but like a real rivalry. Those two yeah. coaches got into each other, and like that was pretty serious. And of course, there was no way to know in the early '90s or 1995 in the Bills' case that neither of these teams would have won a playoff game. Still, since it's ridiculous,
1: it's absolutely ridiculous. And it, I fondly remember, you know, Weish versus uh, Mark Levy in the you know early stages there. I mean, Buffalo was ascendant; uh, Bengals were descendant unfortunately but you know they the whole you know the, the hurry up offense started with boomer sias and turned into the k-gun and you know it was perfected there and you know what and, and the problem with innovation is everybody else can copy it and perfect it and have different players uh and and maybe improve upon it in various ways and you know it's it no longer becomes unique
3: mm-hmm. yeah I, I miss coach rivalries we don't have coach rivalries like we used to either like what the the bills kind of, for the most part, anyway, copied the Bengals after complaining about them, right. right right. <laughs> in, in eighty eight they were complaining about them. And then I don't know I don't know if you know this. I don't know the whole story, probably, but Bill Belichick turned on Levy or just was he he when Belichick was coaching the Browns, at one point anyway, he he mocked Levy. Uh, talked about him running the wing T offense, and I don't know how, how he really felt, but he was critical of, of Levy. And here's Belichick, who's gone on to be, you know, probably, arguably the greatest ever. And Levy is still going in his 90s. He was up here you know, a couple of weeks ago for an alumni thing. So um, just, you know, coach rivalries don't seem uh, very frequent. Maybe they, maybe, maybe they were more frequent in those days. Yeah, it probably has something to do with, uh, I think,
1: turnover is pretty high now, too. I mean, it's, it's hard to get too many ensconced coaches. Uh, the, the, the coaches don't have as much power as they used to. Uh, they, they used to there's a lot more uh, turnover in front offices, a lot more control from the front offices. You don't get the uh, Bill Parcells, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to go to the grocery store and buy, buy my groceries as well as cook the dinner. You don't get that <laughs> as often anymore.
3: Maybe. And in Belichick's case, no one can beat him. So right. to have a rivalry, you have to be able to beat him. And a lot of these AFC East coaches have come and gone. Who knows what they really felt? I mean, Rex Ryan uh, in, in the Jets and Bill's case. Um, but nobody nobody can really keep up with him. So um, not much of a rivalry anyway. Yeah, you got
1: to be able to actually uh, draw blood when you poke the bear. Uh, <laughs> you, you can't just have a little love tap. Uh, so I guess that's part of it, too. Uh, let's talk about some of the big news of the day. Uh, Kerryon Johnson, not just out, but on IR with his knee injury, opens up the door for Ty Johnson, uh, J.D. McKissick, uh, and perhaps Zach Zenner, who rejoined uh, the Lions yesterday.
3: Yeah, and I guess you know with this kind of a situation, you want to know two things. You want to know what kind of opportunity there is for a player like Ty Johnson, right? Is there going to be volume? Is there going to be an opportunity for him? And that would seem, for the most part, to exist here. But then you also have to know, how good the player is, right? Like, is right. he, is he somebody that can give you what Carry On Johnson was, or is, you know, whoever, whatever situation you like, Tony Pollard for Elliott and so on? Can the player do the job? And as far as I'm hearing on Ty Johnson, I don't know if that's true. So you you're in a tough spot, of course, as a fantasy owner. You you have to decide now when you're bidding on him like last night or tonight you have to decide now what you're willing to do without really knowing what the player could do i mean the lions could turn around and trade for kenyon drake next week or something and then you're you're back to square one so you know that's you've got you've got half of it at least with detroit and ty johnson you've got he's got a shot right uh, but what it remains to be seen whether he can you know get it done yeah, what skills does he bring in the tip one for that matter? How valuable
1: is the Detroit starting running back position? Anyhow, uh, you know, maybe it's unfair to judge based off of a game against Minnesota, but they didn't really do much on the ground after carry on left. Uh, they you know, carry on himself had, had a fairly low yards per uh, carry uh, in, the, in recent weeks. Also makes you wonder how strong the run blocking is for the Lions anyways.
3: Yeah, in, in my case, there are other backups or handcuffs, whatever you want to call it, that I would. I would rather have, I mean, every league situation is different. Your roster is just different. It's case by case, but you know, if you chase Edmonds is happening right now, and I I think that's really, that's appealing uh, with what that offense looks like. Right. And what Edmonds has shown in the league, even though it's not a lot, it's more than Ty Johnson. So I'd rather be on, on that. And you have not the same situation, but maybe a guy like Madison in Minnesota, who's getting a little bit of work and is also just like primed. If there were another Dalvin cook injury, then you're just like, you know, you go right to the top with that. So
1: I agree. I absolutely agree. And in fact, I've got Madison, I've got Madison relatively high in my ranks this week. I like the game situation this week, Thursday game home against the Redskins. Presumably they're going to be playing with the lead. We know Minnesota wants to run the ball. We've seen other games where the Vikings had the lead that both backs have enough uh, workload to be, to, to eat, you know, in, in a pinch, if you if you're a Zeke owner this week, Madison might not be a bad option.
3: Yeah, for sure. Now, what do you think about the situation in Carolina? Because that is so Christian McCaffrey, of course. Right. And if you have an injury there, you've got this Bonifan, I guess he would be the number two guy. Like every one of those situations is different. And would you be someone who would think that if McCaffrey went down, I know perish the thought that his replacement could give you and not necessarily him. I mean that's saying a lot, but like what kind of a what kind of a score, so to speak, would you put on that? Uh I I think
1: he's one of the clear, obvious handcuffs to own. Uh he would be a bona fide handcuff, uh if you will. Um Sorry, <laughs> terrible, terrible. I'm, I'm known for this, by the way. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, you saw the, like the big run that he had a couple weeks ago. Uh, we saw McCaffrey have some back spasms. We saw him miss practices. You know, it's the very first sign of a, a, a tiny crack in his armor there. So maybe, you know, he, he, this is the time. And, and it's coming off a of bye week. So Bonifant's probably available in almost every league. Uh, it has to take a very deep league for him to be owned. Uh, I play in some of those type of leagues i 'm in one dynasty league where he he's someone try I, I had him traded him you know it happens but uh you know to the McCaffrey owner, of course, because you pick up other people 's handcuffs just to pick up random draft picks sometimes
3: yeah, and I think we 're just about and you would probably know this better than I would but my my li- relatively limited experience, I would say that we 're probably at the time of year where you start to dump guys that you know, they're not handcuffs, they're players. A guy like Duke Johnson comes to mind. It's like he's been this player for a few years. Right. Where you've got him and in a spot situation, a bye week or something, maybe he's in your lineup. But I think probably as the season goes on, you're better off with players like this, like I don't know if it's Bonifon, but him or Edmonds or Madison because, you know, the other guy is he's still only getting, at best, a limited workload. And really, as you get toward your playoffs, how often do you expect to put him in?
1: Exactly right. And in the case of Duke Johnson specifically, you know, teams have bent over backwards to find ways not to give him a full role. I mean, this is it's not just one coach. It's not one organization at this point. Uh, so, yeah, the, the upside is kind of capped. And, yeah, so absolutely, you look for that. And especially if you've gotten through your bye weeks already. If you've got you know, you, your Nick Chubb owner or a Christian McCaffrey owner or a James Conner owner. James Conner, you might have some other issues there, but this week we'll get into that in a second. But, uh, yeah, you, you've kind of navigated through some of the tough bye weeks. If you still have the bye weeks left, well, then maybe you hold on to them a little bit more. So, absolutely. A uh, couple of trades yesterday. Emmanuel Sanders is now a niner. Uh, and Mohammed Sanu is now a Pat. Do do either of those move the needle for you much?
3: They're both very interesting in their own way. And before we get just quickly, before we get into the fantasy aspect of it, how about how the prices were different for the two yeah. guys? Uh, and- what New England gave up for Sanu? I mean, you you need to give them some benefit of the doubt, but it's it's a little little surprising compared with Sanders. Sanders is more what I would have expected Sanu to cost if you'd known he'd been tra- he was going to be traded. Um, you know, New England is new England and who knows what they're going to do with this player. Like he has not had big, big games. So I don't think you're expecting like a smash with Sanu, but you don't trade for him. If you're not going to use him, I can't believe, especially for the second round pick that he's just sort of an insurance policy or anything. He's also been a slot receiver, which is Edelman for the most part. And that that's sort of confusing too. Right. But I mean, I think he has some value, and Sanders, it's a, it's a really, it's a different one. Like Sanders has done more, and San Francisco has got this undefeated team. They've got this, I think maybe a brilliant coach. They just are all over it, but none of their receivers has accomplished anything. So I feel like Sanders could be really great there if he holds up physically. I I agree.
1: I mean, they've been I think they've been disappointed with what they've seen from Dante Pettis. What they've you know, and and Marquise Goodwin can't seem to get out of his own way. Got, you know, had to get evaluated for another concussion against the Redskins last week. Uh, And just none of those guys have emerged as that number one guy. Now, I I also wonder if some of this is a function of the quarterback, too. I I have to think at this point in time, it's not just on the receiver with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo.
3: Yeah, maybe. Pettis is somebody that I bought into. Yeah, me too. And that's been a roller coaster. Last week, Pettis was talked up again, and then that was, I think, zero, right? (laughs) It was a big zero. Uh, And I had him active
1: in two lineups, and so that was a good time. Uh, They were playing in a monsoon. I'll give them a little bit of an allowance for that. But, uh, you know, it it was still. uh, At least that game ended quickly. Uh, They made a big point of that. That was pretty funny. (laughs)
3: The, yeah. the only two I, I don't know what the answer is on Garoppolo Mullins was good but I can't imagine Garoppolo's coming out especially with the season the team is happening having the the two guys on San Francisco I feel pretty solid with are of course Kittle and then tevin Coleman even even breda who has you know exploded at times when given the ball like I just don't know as as we get toward fantasy playoffs I don't know if I want to end up there you know week to week but Coleman, I feel like it's goal line stuff, and I think catching the ball, I think he gives you enough of a floor.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you on that one there. Um, I want to take it, going back to our uh, running back uh, situ, uh, commentary earlier there. I saw Latavius Murray actually available in one of my leagues still, a uh, thinner league, uh, admittedly. Uh, but, you know, he, a lot, of, I think the perception is. Once Kamara comes back he goes back to being underused. I think he gets full on Mark Ingram work now going forward. He's he's proven worthy of that uh big game against the Bears last week and Kamara's been hurt already. You know, we, he's kind of like this is always going to be a danger with Kamara is, you know, he could miss more time or they may want to limit his time.
3: Yeah, you were reminded last week that Murray can can get it done. Yep. Um I I was on him before the year. I I was at a a dynasty league that Kevin Payne is in, by the way, uh, your colleague. And he lives in my area. I traded Cortland Sutton for Murray in a dynasty league in the off season. And, you know, I was sort of reluctant because Sutton is so young and you promising. But I felt like Murray was going to be Ingram and and I was playing to win. And I was weaker at running back. So I went with that. And even if he just gives me the one week that he gave me last week. I, I'm not going to feel bad about that. Um, how they proceed from here, you know, it's it's so hard to know because Camara has had a certain workload over the course of his career and maybe this injury is sort of a, a, a yellow light, a caution flag for the Saints a little bit. They have Murray, so they can aff- afford to think like that. Um, I just don't know how many times with Camara healthy, I'm going to want to put Murray in.
1: I I agree with you on that. Um, And it's just, again, by weeks, will probably dictate that a little bit there. Uh, Injuries to your other running backs may also do that. And for everybody else that has that, let's face it, it's an injury. It's a position where injuries are always prevalent. So it's it's one of those things we're going to watch from week to week. Uh, Before we move on, a quick note from our friends at Yahoo. The NFL season is in full swing at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy. And they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're 18 or over or and over, or if you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo daily fantasy has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo daily fantasy today Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Uh, my guest today is Mike Sc- uh, Sh- Shope, uh, and I almost want to call you Jonathan Scope, uh, so I'm <laughs> working on that one there still a little bit. But uh, Mike, obviously, uh, we, we talk a lot of Buffalo here when I, every time I talk with you, and Rotoir has the Buffalo Mafia. We have Kevin Payne. You may have spoken with Mark Stopa in the past. Tim Schuler is our CFO. He's a Buffalo guy. Got a lot of, we're, we're overrepresented with Bills. So uh, I feel like I've always got a little bit of a line on them coming into the season. Interesting start to the year. Uh and the schedule isn't too uh challenging going forward. I mean, they still have another game against the Pats, obviously, but they're they're pretty well set up for a, a run to get to the playoffs this year.
3: Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> I mean, so many of these years for, for twenty years about in, in Bills history, you know, you have to really strain to picture them in the playoffs or talk yourself into their chances. And this year is quite different. Obviously that you've made the schedule point. The schedule's a joke. Yeah. It's just so funny around the league, the way that happened, the, the schedule might've been sort of that way anyway, the way the divisions lined up. And then you have the Miami problem. So, yeah. you know, these teams in the AFC East are playing them twice. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's been really cool around here. The fans are the, most famous thing about the Bills. Right. And and this year, the, the team is doing its part. Um, you know, it, we might go the whole season and still be questioning how good they really are with the schedule they have. But, of course, it's not important. What is important is their record. Right. And, I mean, I think, I think the only possible outcomes this year now are they make the playoffs, which is a big deal for a Bills team that's made it once since the 90s. Or they collapse. I mean, there's almost no in between. Yeah. Well, this is this week is a pretty decent litmus
1: test. Uh, the Eagles are considered to be a pretty good team, although they're reeling right now. Might be the right time to play them. Might be the wrong time if they're like they feel like they've got they're desperate. But I, I hesitate to try to guess on motivation and how it affects performance because first of all, they're all professionals. Secondly, we're not there. We're not in that locker room for the most part, uh, and it's just. You know, every player reacts differently.
3: Right. I'm not going to talk you out of that. I, I sort of scoff at that all the time. Yeah. When somebody says a team co- comes out flat. Oh, they did like they have 53 players. You mean like all of them or half of them or how many would have to come out flat for, you know, that just goes on forever. It's an easy narrative. Um, uh, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we always
1: want a simple explanation that can cover things, but the ch- it's a dynamic system. It's a complicated system. Listen, I talk about that on our show all the time.
3: I know um, the Eagles game is a good test for them. It's one of the better teams they'll play. And I don't even know if they're good, but it's, you know, it's a team with, with status Philadelphia and it's not a team that anybody's going to take lightly. So it's, it's, you know, it's not playing Miami or the giants. It's better than that. Um, but still like they have the dolphins again, they have Washington next week here. Yeah, They have, you know, whatever the Browns are and whatever the Steelers are, um there's just they have got to get to 10 wins
1: yeah they 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 do um and one thing you mentioned about the schedule too i'm finding that at least my my impression is that there are more special bad teams not just merely bad but special bad teams in the NFL right now and it, it, it's mirroring what's happening in baseball a little bit not the teams are and, and we're actually seeing at least in the case of the dolphins a team that's outright tanking uh you know you, you never used to see that in the NFL uh, you'd see some bad teams. Every once in a while, you'd see a uniquely really horrible team. But it was, usually they were trying. And in the case of the Dolphins, that was pretty clear at the start of the season. This was not going to be a good team. They were trying to accumulate picks. They weren't trying to win. Is this a, Is this Am I wrong in saying that this is kind of now a thing in the NFL?
3: I, I think it's correct that, I mean, we had the Buffalo Sabres in the NHL pull a tank job few years ago right and one thing that i remember talking about in the course of that was well this wouldn't happen in football and that's not true anymore um i i don't know it's this was a, it was an interesting week here for me last week with miami coming in because there's always a worse team in the nfl but this was supposed to be way worse than that and here are the bills who are not like on that top tier at all you know that's how they're not considered to be and they're a 17 point favorite And I think a lot of us didn't really know what to do with it because their offense isn't very good. And how could they be a 17 point favorite? What happened was it was a competitive game. I mean, the the dolphins had an onside kick down three. And when you think about, when you think about the bill season, they played the Bengals, the the Bengals were driving for the win in, in the final seconds. And the bills won that game, the new England game. That's the top team in the league, of course. And the bills lost to them 16 to 10. So with the Miami game folded in, I still see the bill season as what is more typical and what you know about the NFL and expect, which is a team in the middle like Buffalo can play the top team close and the bottom team close. Right. Right. Exactly.
1: That Miami game, you know, I I, I recall like we, we are exchanging messages about, uh, you know, just the, the size of the spread that this is the first time since, what, 92 that they've been 17 point favorites or anything like that. It's just really. I mean, we, when we've seen this week after week, these huge lines.
3: Right. And D- Dallas was a 21 point favorite against Miami and whatever Washington is. Washington played Miami to one point And now Minnesota is a 16 point favorite, whatever Minnesota is. So, uh, yeah, it is. It is really spread out like that. But. I don't know, like my instinct anyway, I don't bet games or I rarely do, but my instinct in the NFL is to bet the underdog because yeah. just I just feel like in this league, it's still sort of the right approach to it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's a pull towards the middle. Uh, and, it, it, and a lot of the walks of life there is, too. Uh, the funny thing was all those big favorites early were, were covering. Uh, and, you know, we do picks, uh, you know, pick against the spread for uh, just for recreational purposes only. Although uh, we do have a force the bet that listen and I do on the, against each other on the show. Um, but it's just uh, – You know, and I I found that same phenomenon to be true typically, and that's why it was so weird this year. Now, granted, there were some odd covers as far as that goes too. Uh, That Bengals Buffalo game, that was a tale of two halves. I, I, you know, it was a miracle that the Bengals were only down fourteen nothing at halftime in that game. Uh, Absolute miracle. I mean, the Buffalo was way better in the first half. I think the Bengals got their first first down with like seven minutes left in the second quarter. It, It was that a very thorough domination. Uh, and yet the second half well, behaved differently. Y-
3: yes. Um, and that's an important point about the Bills, I think. That's what the Dolphin game was, too, which yeah. was they, could, they really just don't step on your throat. They're, they're tough to score on, but they're not a team that can do that to you. And it really gets to somewhat, at least, the philosophical approach of the organization. What they've done here is built a defense. They have a coach who can coach defense. And they, you know, piece by piece upgraded on offense to the point where they're not bad. Um, and their passing game is more at the forefront of their offense than usual. Like their mm-hmm. pass to run show is is higher than I mean, Buffalo is always near the bottom. And not only are they have historically near the bottom, they take pride in it, you know, run and stop the run, that kind of thing, ground and pound. And so this team has a different uh, style like that, but they still can't really score. And they they'll probably, Jeff, sail to a wildcard berth and then go to Baltimore or go to Kansas City or Houston or somebody. And, you know, they'll probably need to score more than 20 points to beat those teams. And that's what that's what's next. Almost with the schedule being the way it is, that's almost already what's next for them.
1: That's right. That's right. And especially when you're in the same division as the Pats Uh, and, you know, you already are. are, you, You start off presumably in the hole. Now they played them really hard, like you mentioned. They played with them, and they, they get one more shot in, but it's in Foxborough. And New England's schedule will pick up over the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. We'll see uh, if any of these things matter a little bit. But uh, yeah, you know that the presumption is you're playing a wild card game, and that's me mean, automatically means you're on the road too, which is also yeah, difficult.
3: That, that's right. And I, I was, you know, somewhat taking my cue from your show. I was thinking like, all right, the Jets are gonna are going to give the Patriots a game. I, I got. I, got, I was like pretty confident in that, and with that absolutely not happening uh, Monday night, like that's just sort of another reminder that beating New England is like almost it's next to impossible for these teams. In the AFC East, so the Bills had that that playoff drought, and you know they were famous for that. But if you were not in New England's division, those one-off years where. Nine and seven will do it for you or something. You don't play them twice a year. Besides, you know, you're not going to have a 17 year playoff drought in any other division. But that's that's life.
1: You do have the Death Star, unfortunately. So (laughs) so so, it's such it goes Uh, before I move on. A quick note from our friends at World Fantasy Sports already knocked out of your survivor pool. Do you end up losing early in the season feeling like your success is mostly based on luck Wish there were some alternative where you could use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Well, now there is. World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type, stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you will use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to, and you will be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. I'm Jeff Erickson. My uh, guest today is Mike Shope uh, from WGR in Buffalo. Mike, uh, quick thing. One more thing on Buffalo. I, you know, I been, it's been nagging at me every week. When is Devin Singletary going to get a big workload? When is it, When are we going to be able to use him in fantasy?
3: Well, I like that idea for this week. When you can use him is another question. I like the idea of him this week because I expect the Eagles to be competent on offense and maybe the Bills are going to have to do you know, more than they've right. been and not just be, be Frank Gore-centric, if you will. Um, one point on Singletary, if you look back on the season, and I'm, I've had to be reminded of this a couple times, they, their first game was at the Jets, and they had a pass play called the first 18 plays of that game. Yeah. And Singletary, I think, started that game and had more snaps than Gore, but you just did not get touches from from Singletary early. And then he was hurt in week two just back last week. So we're not yet, as you know, we're not yet at the point where he's had to do a lot. I don't know if that comes because Gore has been Gore. I mean, he's been reliable and pretty good. And so they may see themselves really sort of rotating like a lot of teams, you know, which is frustrating for fantasy players. Um, But everybody likes Singletary. I know a lot of fantasy uh, smarties are are buying into him and that's fine. I I think they're just going to have to they're going to have to get in some game scripts where they're going to need, you know, what? I don't think he's ever going to be James White in terms of this, but. You know, he's going to need these more touches to right. have, have a real value.
1: Absolutely. And the thing is, he made such a big difference in that Jets game. That's the thing. He came in in the second half, Yeah, was a d- immediate difference maker. And, you know, you're like, okay, well, let's get more of this. That seems fun. Let's try to do that a little bit more often. But hasn't been the case so far. Like you said, he got hurt. Uh, and, You know, it, it took him a while to come back. And that's a reminder, too, about injuries. Sometimes these hamstring injuries take a long time to recover from. Uh, And, you know, that... I, you know, it's okay to take your time and making sure he's all the way back too instead of aggravating it and playing this one down all the line all season long. So I get that too. Uh, I want to talk to you about what one of the things that you and your your co-host Bulldog have done is just getting immersed in a fantasy. I mean, I do a lot of radio hits, various radio stations, and I notice like you're not just like a one-off once a week with fantasy. You have a lot of different people from the industry on, uh You've created these contests. You, you have a, a, a beat Mike Shope contest on the NFFC. I love how you've just thrown yourself into fantasy.
3: Well, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's hot. Yeah. And I think professionally there's a benefit to it. If there weren't, I mean, I wouldn't be able to get away with it, right? Right, of course. But I, I have the ulterior motive. I've wanted to connect with yourself and, and a lot of other guys in the industry that we've had on. Um, and, you know, we, we – you know, the names. And so including Chris Liss, who I've had the pleasure of talking to a few times. And you've had Sig Uh, Bloom on from football guys and they do great work too. And it
1: just, it's a great industry. It's a great community. Uh, It's great to tap into that.
3: Of course. And talking about it, I mean, there are still, I think you would, you would say this. I mean, there are still people who will give you the fantasy stigma point on a, on a so-called regular radio show like mine. Like, why are we talking fantasy? But It doesn't really it's not even really any different. I mean, some some of the terminology when you're talking about stats and lineup management or whatever roster management, then you're talking about you're talking about fantasy. For the most part, you're talking football. You know, the, the question you just asked me about Singletary is only partly about fantasy football. It's mostly about, well, what are the bills at running back, you know? Which without that stigma for people who are bothered by it and They're really not my concern. I mean, it's just a small, maybe a small portion of the, of the listenership, but really it's the same question. Football fans have been asking each other for years, the same type of question. So, you know, I, I want to respect that there is like sort of a, a thinking that fantasy football is something other than football, but it really isn't. I mean, really just, you're just talking about the game.
1: Right. And let's, let's face it, red zone and, and it was created for fantasy players, you know, you know just even getting the game pass is is pretty much you know yeah there's a there's a there is that dedicated out of town core people want to follow their team they can't watch them in the local market but let's face it sunday ticket was created for fantasy players it's a way you know fantasy it forces you to know the whole league and not just your team
3: i like that point that that has been really a big part of my Willingness to get into it as a player, and that's been true with other sports too. You and I both play stratomatic baseball. Yep. And about twelve years ago, I realized I wasn't really paying attention to baseball. I mean, I don't. We don't have a team, a major league team here, and I didn't. So I didn't really need to do it professionally. But I had a friend who was in the strat league, and I got into it. And the next, I woke up and suddenly I knew everybody's bullpen. I mean, it it sort of forces you to do that in a way that you like. And now with fantasy. I mean, five years ago, I wasn't playing fantasy football, but now I'm in a bunch of leagues like you are. It's, I think it's a pretty similar kind of profile. And now I can, I can do depth charts. We can have the conversation about who Ty Johnson is. Exactly. And, and, uh, and I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a professional benefit to it and also, um, you know, uh, what, uh, a leisurely one
1: exactly and if you're in this if you do sports radio or or television or you're you're just a a big sports fan i mean it's it's an outlet we all are into it and this is a way to kind of you know demonstrate our knowledge talk about our knowledge and give us give us a reason uh and that's all we, we ask for there uh and i know uh you know bulldog if i recall correctly when i first started doing your show he wasn't into fantasy at all and now he's you know, he, he, he may not be like as fully immersed as you are, but he doesn't hate it either. Would that be correct in assessment?
3: For the most part. Yeah. I I think he likes to make fun of it, but sometimes I'll catch him really actually caring about something. Um, here, here's a, an issue I have like more personally is I just, I got so into it last year that I was talking on the air about how, how crazy for it I was. And I was basically getting offers and I couldn't say no. I felt mm-hmm. like, yeah. like a poker player might – I should be able to walk into a room and do well. And so I would ju- be able to justify joining all these leagues, and then I ended up with like 16, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> bit nuts. Yes, it and, is. And then, and then this year, I trimmed a few where I wasn't – sure if, if I had any sort of question about uh, – Collusion or anything like that, I would get out. But then a couple more interesting ones came along, and a new format or two. Yes. And so I, I have promised myself next year I would cut this number in half. But I, on it between us, I'm going to feel like I'm leaving money on the table, and that's not a great feeling. Yeah. Well,
1: it's not only that too. It's like the relationships I've made in some of these leagues. Like you know, I, when my my kids started going to school, they had like a reception for incoming kindergarten <laughs> parents, and like. Oh you're you're road-water? Oh you, we got a league. You got to jump in our league. Yeah, of course I want to do that. Get to know the parents <laughs> of my my friends, my kids' friends, my classmates, uh, their their classmates, excuse me. And that's a fun league that I'm in now and I'm really good friends with uh, these guys.
3: Uh and Yeah, that's, that's good, but you also expect to win it.
1: True. True, although, right. you know, point of disclosure, I've won the baseball side of that ha- a handful of times. I haven't won the football league in this one home okay. league. My my friends, my kids
3: uh, I, I should have I I said you would expect to do well. You know you yeah. can't just expect to win these things, but right. you would expect to like cash in them. And I, and find out for me if Kevin Payne thought that about this league of mine, uh, the Shopes and Dreams. That will help you remember the name, by the way, the League of Shopes yeah. and Dreams. Uh, I wonder if Kevin, who I didn't – I hadn't even met him. He'd been on the show, but I had never met him at the time where he agreed to join this dynasty league I was starting. Right. And I wonder if, I wonder if he thought it would be easy money. He did finish – second or third last year. He's good, of course. He's good. Right. Um, but I wonder if he thought he was probably oh, good enough. Oh, yeah. There's um, a certain
1: certain expectation level. Um, and I think it, realize, it, it makes you realize what we're doing in this industry. It's not just the ability to play well. It's the ability to communicate with others, help them do well. It's the ability to see angles that other people don't see. Uh, and you, you kind of give away some of your stuff sometimes, too. I don't think that's necessarily true all the time, but – It's a factor.
3: I love trades. Trades are maybe my favorite thing about fantasy. And on my downtime, which, again, like with so many leagues, it can get it can run away from me. But to look at, you know, every week in the NFL presents new ways of of making trades, of finding them new opportunities. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. Right. Right. Well, look through your your Rolodex and see who has Patrick Mahomes. And then is there somebody, are you deep at quarterback? Are you weak somewhere else? And sort of mining all that. I love that. And the way that people interact, it's often people I don't know. And you would have this too, right? They know you, but you don't know them. So you have these interactions with people that are really interesting. And you know, some people are send the email out to the whole league guy. Uh, This guy's available other people I don't really like to do that other people have different approaches and you you under, you come to understand how everybody's different i find that that world that part of fan, the fantasy world really interesting it's it's great at understanding other people like you're talking about communicating with them learning about them and this is a conduit to being able to do that so it's really one of my favorite things about it all
1: absolutely and if if you have the opportunity to pick up the phone and talk to someone and talk out of trade all the better. And that's how you get to know people, too. And that's how, like, you stay in touch with people, for that matter. My original league, Amiki, it's a uh, fancy football league based on Northwestern University. Uh, Peter Shanky, uh, president of Rotowire, he founded this league, uh, his fraternity, basically. And I was in a different one, but I got to know Peter in college. You know, we've been together for 25 years. That's how we stay in touch with each other. And a lot of times it is picking up the phone. And, you know, at the draft, like, hey, how's it going? How are your kids? What are they? Oh, my God, your kid's in college now? You know, that sort of thing. It's great.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, I go back to the late 80s with fantasy sports, but I got out of it. Yeah. So I don't have anything continuous like that that would be great to, to think about. But um, I, I also rem- like a lot of your guests and people that I've met, talked to, they, they say this. I also remember the, the USA Today box score oh, yeah. and the play by mail sort of thing from, you know, my college years are the, in the early 90s. And I was into that then, but I just didn't keep a group together.
1: Right, yeah, it, we were, were fortunate that we were able to keep it together. Um, and, and in the case, in this case, start Roto News, which became RotoWire. Wire, uh, and here mm-hmm. we are. So it's pretty cool. Uh, before we move on, one quick note: uh, your fantasy winnings are going to need a game plan. Put them to work on Stash, and you'll get an extra five dollars to start investing. Over three million inv- Americans invest, bank, and save with Stash, all on one easy-to-use app. On Stash, you can buy pieces of stocks and funds just five dollars at a time. And unlike some other micro investing apps, you get to build your own, uh, own build your own portfolio. Your stash also includes access to a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works with your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. Want to plan for a better financial future Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing accounts for kids. Stash can even help you help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guidance. Stash is a financial home for all your money needs. And they'll even give you $5 to invest if you join today. Stash, one app, unlimited opportunity. Investment advisory services offered by Stash Investments LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Debit account services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. I'm here with Mike Shope. Uh, we are wrapping up today's podcast. Uh, Mike, so an the early Fab run, uh, early free agent run, did, who'd you get this week so far?
3: Um, every week there have been new quarterbacks. And I, my quick, my quick reaction to this question is that in a few leagues, I had to address that. I have Lamar Jackson more than any other player. Same. So nice. Okay. I'm at like 10 out of 10 out of 15 for Lamar Jackson. So I've had to address that. The Ravens are on by. Um, so, you know, Matt Schaub, just in case Mason Rudolph is interesting. I think, uh, this week. And I, I went into that a little bit. Running back-wise, I'm not really digging Ty Johnson. I'm sort of feeling like maybe he could get replaced, and I don't know what what that's going to amount to, so I ended up staying away from him. Um, That's really it. Wide receiver in a guillotine league, which are really fun, Um, the wide receiver side of this guy's roster that went out was pretty soft, but John Brown was there. Ah. And I, I feel like that's Maybe, maybe we're halfway through the year and, and John Brown is still a little bit underrated here
1: I agree absolutely agree in fact uh, I remember when I came on your show right before the start of the season we were talking about which Buffalo receiver do you want and we, we both landed on Brown and the thing is he's, he's had a steady floor every you know he's the one player that you know you can get that certain number of targets certain number of catches and he's scored a number you know he hasn't scored a ton but he's given you that baseline and I love him this week against Philly
3: Yeah. And that's critical in guillotine. That's right. Before the year, Robert Foster was interesting and he was, uh, he was great at the end of last year, but I always felt like you want to follow the money. And when they, when they paid for Brown and, and in addition, Cole Beasley that Foster was probably getting squeezed out there and he's barely seen the field. So that's a tough one. He's depth for them, but he was really good. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what he could do on this team.
0: Yeah,
1: I agree with that. Um I'm in a, a
3: QB flex league uh where I
1: have Pat Mahomes. So that was not fun. Uh so I and, and I got outbid on Matt Moore. I, a lot of people had more money than me left in fab too. So luckily I have three QBs. Uh so that that's but one of them's Teddy Bridgewater and he, this might be he, he may not play this week. There's a small there's a non-zero chance Breeze is back this
3: week. Yeah. And in Kansas City Kansas City is going to be so interesting Sunday night. Yeah. You know, Moore Moore was in a playoff game a couple of years ago. Was it for Miami? Was that three years ago? I mean, when Tannehill went out and, and Moore did the job for them, so many of these backups, you just don't know what they are. And, like, for me, when I think of Matt Moore, I think, well, they could be worse off. So you have Andy Reid, you have Kelsey, whatever they're going to be at running back. That's a puzzle, too. I'm holding on to Daryl Williams in league. Should I not be? It depends on the
1: depth of your league. You know, it's like if you have five bench spots and you're going through a week hell, that might be tough. It might be a tough ask. If you're in the NFFC yeah. and you got 10 man benches. Yeah, hold on to
3: him. I just feel like Damian Williams, apparently, it just seems has not impressed them. You know, like Damian, Will- he was yeah. hurt, too. But he, he has never gotten like that kind of respect from them by his usage this year. And I just think McCoy looks slow. I mean, there was also that, uh, Darwin Thompson that people were kind of hot for before the year, but I, yeah. I just would, I have sort of in my mind that Kansas city is going to end up on someone other than Damian Williams and McCoy. Yeah.
1: My, my, uh, my opinion on Darwin Thompson has evolved since then. Uh, so, uh, We'll finish with that bad pun, uh, oh. but uh, you know I, I do think though that you know, more could you could do worse and more. Like I take more over Schaub, if knowing that both are going to start this week, even though I, I don't like the matchup against the Packers at all. Uh, but yeah, I just you got to you, you trust Andy Reid with ten days to prepare uh, in you know a home home environment and the Kelsey and Hill to work with. I'll take that.
3: Right, and quarterback has been such a whirlwind. Uh, with all these injuries and the unknown of what the backups are going are gonna to be able to do. I, I bought into Trevor Simeon in week two, and maybe that could have been something, but he got hurt right away. You know, the way Mason Rudolph got hurt, like I said earlier, yeah. I think that could be something for the rest of the year with the Steelers. Maybe he can salvage Juju a little bit. Um, but Daniel Jones has been all right. It's just been so. You had to be. You have to be so flexible at a position where many years you don't really need to be flexible at all. You replace your guy for the bye week, and that's all you do.
1: Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, I got a little Kenny Stills in a couple places.
3: He, yeah, I
1: like that one because uh, it's a multi multi week injury with Will Fuller, uh, and I and I like the matchup against Oakland this week. I think he's a usable guy this week.
3: Me too. I think that makes sense. Um, you have QT there too, but I would probably go stills first. Just, just a guess. Um, what else did I do at wide receiver? I can't even really can't really tell you. Let's let, let me, let's talk about tight end here before we run out of time. If that's all right. Sure. Sure. Rick, uh, yeah, go ahead. Do you feel like Waller holds up the rest of the year? Like Waller, Austin Hooper, those are your guys at the top there. Maybe even Dallas Goddard is interesting. Yeah. Different uh, different situation.
1: Yeah. And I think God, I, I, I take, I think Waller is every week. I think the, t- the volume is definitely going to be there I, same with Hooper. I think if Ryan is hurt multiple weeks, that that changes. You know, that could change his value. Although he did score with uh, Schaub late in the game last week, uh, I would worry a little bit about a QB change there, changing that things up. And who knows what happens if Quinn gets canned at the at their bye week? Uh, that could change things too. I think Waller. I mean, they've invested in him. Uh, you know, the only thing that slows him down is a possible injury. I, I think, and especially the utter lack of other good target options for the Raiders. I think he, you can count on him pretty much every week.
3: How many tight ends would you rather have Kelsey? And that's it. Maybe not even him. Kelsey and Kittle. Um, Kittle. so rather have Kittle. Okay. Yeah. What about Andrews. No, Andrews
1: is so banged up right now. And he, he's, you know, he's a guy sure. with a year and a half of track record. And it's not even a full year and a half because the first half of last year, he didn't do much. Um, he had the big dropsies too against Seattle. Now I don't know if the rain had a lot to do with that, but uh, I would take Waller over Andrews.
3: Yeah, they. I don't know about the rain either, or his injuries, but they were ugly.
1: Yeah, they, that was an ugly game. A couple of those drops in particular was, were really bad. Uh, but yeah, uh, and Waller's lack of touchdowns—that's just variant. You know, tight ends get that a lot too. Kelsey has one touchdown this year. You know, what happens. I like about
3: Waller is that he looks like he's really actually good. You know, yeah. like he looks like a, he looks like a player. You know, there's everything to like there.
1: Yeah. And I love Hunter Henry, by the way, too. Uh, Yes. That's right. He looks great. And the, the Chargers offense, when they get him involved, it frees everything else up. If you have to account for Henry, that means Eckler gets isolated on a linebacker. You know, poor Wesley Woodyard uh, Woodyard uh, just had no chance when it appeared on Eckler late in that game last week. Uh, Mike Williams looks great. He just can't stay on the hell, on the field, and he's had really bad luck in the end zone. He's going to have a big game at some point soon, too, This uh, coming up. It's just they've got four really good receiving options.
3: Yeah, what a typical Charger season so far with yeah. all their injuries and just these screwy losses. I don't know how they managed to. To corner the market on that but there's just <laughs> they, they have a way of doing that two and five at chicago now
1: i know i know just the the, the indian burial ground is still my answer to that one they uh, put their practice facility on one or the Spanoses did something in another life where they turned over a grave or something like that and they've got all this bad karma coming to them because it's crazy how they've had all these things over the years not just this year but multiple years of this
3: Yeah, perfect way for us to end it as a Bills and a Bengals guy talking about someone else's bad karma.
1: Exactly right, exactly. Mike, (laughs) thanks so much for jumping on with us today. Uh, This has been great, and uh, looking forward to crossing paths in the future.
3: My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you for asking.
1: You bet. Mike Schoep with WGR and Buffalo. And I want to thank him for jumping on. I want to thank Yahoo for sponsoring us. Thanks for listening to Rotowire.
2: Have a great day.